Hey, welcome to Minor Details. I'm Nick. And I'm James. James, where are you? you you're here. <laughs> We're back together again. I'm right here, Nick, and I've been sitting in your room for the past two weeks. <laughs> no, I just haven't been here. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. Where have you been? <laughs> oh, man, we've been busy, guys. Sorry. Sorry, we missed a podcast, I think. Yeah, we did. But for those of you not keeping track, we didn't miss anything. No. Um, Welcome. Welcome. This is the Industrial Design Podcast by The James only one. The only industrial design podcast recorded in bed right. in Brooklyn. You think so? I don't, that's a big statement. There's a lot of people in bed It's the only industrial design podcast recorded in bed <laughs> I checked. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, we were uh, prancing around New York for Design Week this past week or, or two. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were busy and, you know, been, been uh, celebrating design. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's yes. a celebration. Yes. The, this time last year is when James and I first met. That's true. Mm-hmm. I came up for Design Week. I flew up from Texas just for right. Design Week. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, man. I can remember it like it was yesterday. And you <laughs> gave me a lock of your hair, and I put it in my journal. And <sighs> No, I didn't give you a lock. You stole it while I wasn't looking. <laughs> oh, I'm man. So, so wait, how you been? You, uh, you been I, up to anything? Uh, you know, I've been uh, continuing my collaboration with uh, Reach Legal. We've been we've been pumping out some uh, watering cans for right. MakerBot sketch forms. Yeah, so we've uh, since since we last talked, we've gone through Flowform and Rotoform. Okay. Um, and so we we have uh, I think we each have we we created two more watering cans. Uh, for the flow form and now we're working on two more watering cans for the roto form so and you guys are working on one each right yeah the first one that we did for the tecto um you guys can check it out on on either my instagram or uh reed's instagram but that was a collaborative that's just one but the the uh, flow forms we each found our own right you guys are going head to head head to head all the time (laughs) i you know i tuned in for most of each of those uh, live streams, and I always got a kick because you and Reed both had your ideas already preset. <laughs> <laughs> you guys were sketching for an hour, and you're like, "But actually, I had this idea like last week. I really well, want to do this was, one." <laughs> that was specifically for the flow form. Okay. We, uh, I, I had this, I had this idea like bubbling in my head going into it but i was i was open to the idea that like maybe i would find something in the brainstorm that was more interesting okay but i didn't and so (laughs) so what i ended up doing was just you know i i had this idea i worked it out a little bit more during the brainstorm and then that became the one that i pursued but during the roto form we did not have any preconceived ideas okay okay and so what we came out with i came out with this uh x intersection of two roto forms basically two pipes intersecting right. i saw this recently you yeah. just posted it like today I yeah think. yeah I, I just posted it in my story i like it i think it looks cool um yeah it's it's interesting uh it's uh so it's two it's two uh you know two rounded forms intersected um and they're both going up at angles and so the one that's holding the water is going up at an angle and were it not for the the intersecting form, it would fall over. But that intersecting form, that cylinder going through, are you serious right now, Nick? <laughs> How dare you? 
Uh, he's getting a phone call in Sorry. the middle of recording. <laughs> You're that important, huh? I'm a busy guy. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so I thought the interesting part of this design was that the thing that come that intersects the you know the vessel becomes both the stand and the spout, right? And the handle, right? So, uh, but then Reed, while we were doing this brainstorm. He he was like, let's get weird, and he started talking about maracas. Oh, I I remember that. And I was like, that is awesome. And so uh, it's like you're sprinkling the water, like yeah, you're, you're shaking the yeah. maraca, you're sprinkling the water on. Yeah, which I I think is such a a delightful kind of it's such a delightful interaction right. and and sort of like you know I, I don't know there's there's something really um, whimsical about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, and something very unusual, like you don't really, there's not really a precedent for that kind of interaction when it comes to watering plants. Right. So that's uh, that's the other idea that we're pursuing. So you should check out Nata Fukusawa's Maraca Salt and Pepper Shakers. Have oh, you seen those? Oh, I, maybe I have. Okay. Yeah. Well, Reed should check them out too, but they, it's the same idea, right? Yeah. Like, you know, he had the, he was like trying to figure out how to dispense salt and pepper. And he drew that same connection of, um, you know, you shake salt and pepper shakers. Yeah. And you also shake maracas. Yeah. So why not combine the two? Yeah. Um, so definitely check that out. I think yeah. that'd be good inspiration for your watering can, mar- maraca. Yeah. So uh, the, the uh, collaboration's going well. And, you know, we're, uh, I'm about to print my, my ex uh, roto. Okay. And we'll then, post p- pictures of all these things too. Yeah. Minordetailspodcast.com. So yeah, what 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 have you been up to, Nick? Oh man, I've been uh, I've been running around the city every single night doing design things. I don't yeah. know. No, I mean Design Week was really great. I went to a lot of events, uh, studios, lots of shows, um, just taking in all the design. Yeah, I, I will say like, you know, Design Week is definitely curved a lot heavier toward the furniture industry mm-hmm. for New York and kind of the more fine. Uh, design or high design side of uh design and uh yeah i mean went to went to a lot of parties you know parties are always good yeah um i'm trying to think of anything interesting oh we went to the the frog skateboard yeah deck design party you were there at that one that was cool uh you know because it was it was a it was a very succinct prompt and and really interesting to see the variety of right. solutions. Yeah. Did you have a favorite skateboard? Ooh, I really loved. I'll have to look it up, and we'll we'll link it okay. in the description. But I really liked. There was kind of like two recycled skateboards, but okay. there was one that was recycled bottles, and it was kind of it was mostly black, but with some speckling. Mm, I saw that one, which I thought was like. Did it look like marbled? Yeah, it was kind really of? it was really cool because it felt. In some ways, it felt on trend, but also kind of the result of the process. But it, but I was first attracted by the board itself, yeah. and then attract, and then I read the story, and it and it sort of rounded it out fully. But I think it's always great when you're encountering projects like that. That f- the first thing that you feel is that's a really cool object. Mm, yes. Like, I don't think the object should be driven by the story necessarily. Right. It should be driven by just being cool. By, <laughs> you know. That's interesting. Okay. Okay. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I can say, I kind of see where you come from. You know, because sometimes, like, green design, quote-unquote, it's like, this is, you know, like, the, the, oh, the design I, okay. itself I is like, yeah. 
Right. And then there you had, like, they try to really build up the story. But I thought that this was just a cool thing. And then, and then it was on top of that. That's how I think, uh, like, you know, green design and environmentally friendly design should be, right? Yes. You should design the object to be a great object and a functional thing. And then it's like a bonus. Right. If it has some sort of environmental, like, benefit. What about you? What was your favorite skateboard? I, I liked, um, the acrylic one. Oh yeah. So this skateboard was just a piece of acrylic, like a block of two by four yeah. acrylic. Like it looked like a two by four yeah. with wheels attached to it. Yeah. But it was clear. It was yeah. so beautiful. It was really nice. I really and I liked the board that they put it next to. It was both. It was two frog designers that one did the acrylic one, and then the one next to it was like this mandolin or that you know was like the instrument such mandolin. A, such a complete opposite. Yeah. Because the the mandolin was it a mandolin a violin I don't know what I it think was. it was a mandolin it was some the, sort of musical instrument. instrument yeah that <laughs> that had like this kind of it looked like a Viking ship yeah that's what it reminded me yeah of. it was just the two next to each other was really great curation yes, of, of that that particular table definitely um, yeah that was a good party mm-hmm. were there any other interesting ones we went to oh there was. I went to this, so there's actually a bit of design news. Maybe we should wait till we get to it. But I went to this one party um, for this company called Comark, I believe it. Mm. But it came out after, like the day after the party, that they had just copied the entire design collection. Really? From another designer. But let's actually, can we just, let's, let's, uh, let's wait because I want to get that into the design news segment. Yeah. We should do that as a design news segment. Yes. Um, but, uh, oh, Another thing we need to announce, Square One Conference. Right. Um, we just, we James and I are talking at Square One. Yes. Uh, and for those of you who aren't familiar with Square One, Square One is a sketching slash design conference in Chicago uh, run by the Advanced Design Sketching account or community. Yeah. Um, I went last year. It was a lot of fun. James, you're coming this year. It's going to be yeah. great. Yeah. And I just, I just recently did my first collaboration with with advanced design sketching i did my hour-long live stream on their uh instagram and yeah. you can check out that video on their facebook i just did an hour of sketching irons <laughs> i saw a little bit of that i yeah. saw a little tail end of that um, it looked fun yeah you had, it, some, you had some good ideation i liked your uh i like the fact that you're really quick it seemed like you did a lot of content in a very short amount of time I, that's, uh, that's what I, that's your bread and butter. That's my aspiration is to, is to generate as many ideas as possible. And, uh, in, in the shortest amount of time, that's kind of like what I've tried to hone my sketching style to do, Yeah. to be, and to be very communicative without, without having to render right. too much. Right. Um, but yeah, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Okay. Um, but yeah, we're both going to be, uh, I guess, doing workshops at, right. at Square One. Do you have a workshop already set up? Uh, I I do have a workshop. What do you think? I just need to. <laughs> I just need to tell Hector. I, well, I need to figure out exactly. I want to do something about working with what you have, because <clears throat> I feel like sometimes as designers, we're waiting to get that optimal setup. Ooh. To like start our work. Ooh, that's a good topic. Where right I there. feel like I a lot of times I'll do a lot just with my phone and and notebook. Okay, you know, it's yeah. Like, I I hundred percent agree because so many times I, the question I get the most on Instagram is, 
what tool did you use? What what tool is that? What software is that? Yeah. What pen is that? Right. And it doesn't matter. Like, okay, yeah, sure. Software and tools matter to some extent yeah. to be able to do some capabilities. But end of the day, pen and paper. Right. Pen and paper. Right. Yeah, and I'm 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 just kind of lazy in a lot of ways <laughs> where I just I don't want I don't want to be using too many different things right. to generate these ideas like or even document them like, you know, for the MakerBot project or whatever. It's like I took all the final photographs on my phone. Right. You know, like That's awesome. You know, it's it's not I I feel like you just have to be smart about how you're setting things up right. to make it look the way you want it to look yeah definitely. Uh, and you can do a lot with a little yeah and your iphone like camera phones nowadays are it's perfect amazing f- f- for like just amateur photography like yeah you don't need a fancy camera although i've been thinking about getting one but <laughs> <laughs> but what about you nick what are, what are you going to be de- demoing or... um i'm not exactly sure yet i think well if everything goes well i think i'm going to be doing vr sketching there's a lot of logistics involved because there's a lot of equipment involved. Right. But I think that'd be kind of a good niche that I could kind of um, fulfill right. for the conference. Yeah, I saw I saw the stories that I'm sure a lot of a lot of our listeners did on your Instagram of you setting up for the MakerBot VR sketching demo, yeah. where you're where that, you're dragging that... your entire like operation into Times Square of all places. That was a thing that happened that yeah. we haven't talked about. Yeah. I, I did a VR uh, sketch demo during Design Week in Times Square, not literally in the like the floor, like not on the <laughs> not like on the sidewalk. No, <laughs> it was in not a building next to the Naked Cowboy. No, not next to the Naked Cowboy. Yeah, um, it was actually next to the Elmo, but no, oh. I'm just <laughs> uh, mm. no, it was um, yeah, I forget what building it was, but it was fun. There was a good people that sh- good amount of people that showed up, and yeah. we did. We kind of you know I I was talking with MakerBot in the panel um, and kind of doing the VR demo to show the whole kind of design process of mm-hmm. the future, what it could look like. And so we could take your VR sketches and augment them with your iPhone in augmented reality uh-huh. and then go from augmented to actual 3D print. Oh, cool. So like virtual augment real. Right. It's kind of like running that gamut. I would love to see, because I know there's that line tool that you use yeah. in, in VR. I yeah. would love to see you just create the path for the print with the line tool. <laughs> you know? That's interesting. It's like, huh. it would be a l- l- laborious, but... <laughs> very, very much so. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that's cool. But it does seem like it's quite an ordeal. Like, you know, how would you move your entire work workstation... Yeah, I'm not taking my whole workstation to Chicago. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, taking it to Times Square was hard enough. Yeah. Because I have a freaking large PC tower. Yeah. And it's heavy too. I have to say that the thing that I was most impressed about with that story was how consistently robust and reliable an Ikea bag is. <laughs> I, I carried my PC with an Ikea bag. Yeah. Well, you always get them at the... When you're at the Ikea store, you're like, oh, crap. I got yeah. too much stuff. I got to buy a bag. Um, and you still use them. They're, they're amazing. They're awesome. They're perfect. Um, but uh, I guess I guess now's as good a time as, as any to get into oh, the design news. Get back to our design news. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So I know I teased it earlier, but um, <laughs> people, <laughs> all right, oh, get ready. So so here here's a little taste of like design week as from my side, whereas 
it's a little bit more furniture and high end kind of in that area. Um, I went to this party for this brand called Kamark, um, and they designed this new line of furniture. It was actually an interesting business model. They had a subscription model. So you would pay, I don't know, $20 a month, and they would send you one piece of furniture every year or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of an interesting business model. And then when you decided that your furniture was finished, you could like send it back to them, and they would recycle it. Yeah. Um, so I'll have to read more into that. Um, but So I went to this party. And they had this beautiful setup, you know, like all their furniture was displayed really nicely. Um, and their furniture was very simplistic, a little bit postmodern. It was made mainly just cylinders and squares and cubes. Um, so like they had like a coffee table that was a big, I don't know, two foot diameter cylinder with a two foot by two foot square just mm. sitting on top. Like right. super simple. Right. Like, and pastel colors, like, you know, kind of postmodern and like minimal Right. Um, and yeah, it was a great party. Had some excellent uh, work and everything. And then the next day, the design news broke out and was like, they just copied mm. an already existing lineup. Like, right. And so there was this other designer called Anna Krauss for Matter. She designed a line for Matter Made, which is another brand. And she designed the exact same products. Mm. But it was maybe like two or three years earlier. Right. Like she had done the cylinder with a square on top. Yeah. And like all these very, very similar yeah. furniture lines. And I yeah. just showed you a picture of it, James. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it was interesting because, you know, the new brand, Kamark, and the designers that designed it, um, you know, they got a lot of flack. Right. For like legitimately like copying like 95% of mm-hmm. what this other person did. Um, and I don't know. I honestly, I'm going to say my opinion. I probably favor the unpopular opinion. And and that's that like you, I feel like the original design was, it's so simple. Like you're putting cylinders and squares on top of each other. Like it's not like you're creating this new innovation. Like you're not doing anything like really original. So why, why are you getting upset that people copied a cylinder, right? Right. It's difficult, especially with form right. versus like, you know, a certain function. It, form is like this thing where people feel that once it's out in in sort of uh, in the world, uh, it's kind of up for grabs. And and but I don't know. It's 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 one of those things where it is so simple that like I could see two people like you know independent yeah independent of each other coming up with the same exact forms um and the thing also is is like if someone came up with that form and just like posted online they'd be everyone just be like "Eh," like whatever i mean i guess the the you know the the thing is is did did the people copying do it intentionally did they know right you know, and it, and that's hard to find out. Like you would have to go through a lot of legal to Here, figure that out. Here's here's the kicker, though. Apparently, the rumor is that the Kamark designers did know. Oh. They did know about the previous uh, collection. See, I think that that what it, it actually comes down to is just it comes down to ethics. It's yeah. like, you know, if if I'm this brand, like first of all, I don't know how. I think that I'm going to get away with it. Right. And secondly, like 
how difficult would it be to just license these products or or whatever like come up with a different line like right. as designers i think that we should be able to generate new and different forms it's like were you under some sort of like crazy time crunch that you just had to like <laughs> grab these forms like are you really that bad of designers that you couldn't just come up with a few more original Ooh, like minimal some, okay, forms okay yeah yeah like i feel like you know it's minimal design like and and i'm sure that there could have been a different solution than right. the one that you came up with yeah and like no you can't tell any you can't tell someone that oh I own the cylinder design. You, no one can do cylinders. Like, right. It's a cylinder. But you it's, can't copy a cylinder. Yeah. Right? It, but, it, but it is like, you know, you look at one, you look at the other, and there is, like, it would be like seeing a photograph at a family reunion. It's like there's there's obviously very similar, like if, you know, under the whole design patent law, right, right. like not that these designs were patented for their look, but the whole, like, if I'm just looking at these two objects next to each other and I can't see a difference between them formally, which I can't when I'm looking at these two, right? then it's like, that's copying. Yeah. It, and it's... Here's another question, though. Yeah. There, you can't take legal... I don't... Well, I don't know for sure. Don't, I'm not a lawyer. But I think it's very difficult to take legal action because it is just design. It's right. not like actual innovation there's no engineering involved there's no like you know patents or anything it's just forms and visual like right. how do you protect that right the problem is is that i i wonder how well this brand is going to be received now if the the larger design community which i feel like this brand is selling into a niche community in the first place yeah. like the mm -hmm. types of forms it's like that community now knows right. what you've done. Right. It's like... No one's going to respect it. Yeah. Nobody's going to trust that brand. Yeah. It's interesting because I want to... Because I still side with the copy. Like, I mm. still think, like... Maybe maybe I don't side with either of them. Maybe that's where I'm at. Because it's for me, it's like, you know, I think I saw that same exact table in the Flintstones. Right. Like, it's literally right. a I'm rock. sure... <laughs> like it's, I almost feel like there's probably a precedent for it somewhere else, even before Matter Made. Of course. Like, there's of probably course. a Memphis design yeah. that was almost exactly the same. It's like, it's funny, though. It's like, if you just did a bunch of cylinders and cubes, nobody would accuse you of copying. Right. But it, the way that they arranged the cylinders and cubes, it's like... Mm, these are pretty much that the is, same. That's a funny, that's a funny you statement. Know, it's very like true. Anybody can make a cube. Nobody has rights over a cube. Right, right. But. I know. I just thought that was interesting. That was kind of like the big design news that I experienced this week. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we also, I guess kind of what we wanted to do is this week was just kind of catch up and then follow up on our big topic, which was two weeks and one week. We'll say it was last time. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, which was the MakerBot competition. Right. Um, and this kind of might fall into some of our other uh, questions here. Um, we have some questions later on. But, uh, yeah, how was – we both went to the MakerBot competition with my birdhouse and your Muji pen holder. Yeah. What would you think? I, I mean, I thought the competition overall was really interesting. I mean, there was an article written about it on Core, and we had both talked about the this thing where – the competition itself was such a broad topic oh, right. that what it provided, which I, I think it was 
you know, maybe interesting as opposed to a lot of Design Week events was a very broad array of solutions. Like, yeah, and they were all more industrial design focused, I feel like. I I think so. And I think that's kind of what MakerBot was kind of catering towards. It wasn't like, you know, high design or I don't know, art, art or whatever. And I, and I liked what they said at the event, which was, 3D printing so far has mostly been about like sort of tchotchkes and yeah. and like Yoda heads and right. things like that. And right. they were trying to broaden the scope and, and bring in more ideas that were, of you know, more useful. Right. Um, um, yeah, I mean, you won something. What'd you win, James? I won best design for 3D printing. Nice. Um, I lost. <laughs> you didn't lose. <laughs> Well, for one thing, this competition was invite only. You know, right. we were selected as a as a part of 15 designers. I feel like when it comes down to the judging and the decision making, it's like that's when it just becomes about who the judges are and and sort of luck. That's true because it, it, there was like a, a panel of judges that got you know. to select the winners. And yeah. so like who knows what the judges are. You yeah. Know, like, if if the judges all loved birdhouses, I would have won. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I thought I thought the competition was cool. Um, it was fun to see. I mean, it's always fun to see the MakerBot office. They're located in downtown Brooklyn, on a on one of the top floors of this building, and you can see the entire city. Yeah. Um, and I I thought there were some fun projects that came out of it. I mean, yeah, it was really broad, uh, but it was interesting to see what everyone did with that broad. Um, brief yeah did you have any favorites yeah well you know it was interesting because like obviously we knew each other's designs right. and then also dan grossman like you know we're close with him so we knew we knew what to expect from each other right but then coming into it like there were some there were designs there that we had never seen before. yeah yeah and uh i really loved um uh kyle laidlaw he's a designer at our leaden okay he, he did this simple it was just called hole or cup cup with a hole. Cup with a hole, yes. And uh, and so, you know, if you can envision a cup and then a hole punched through sort of the side, from side to side right. through the cup, creating a cylinder. Right. Um, and, the, you know, the original intent was, it seemed like, for a toothbrush and toothpaste holder. So you put so your toothpaste in the top of the cup. In the top of the cup. And your toothpaste brush goes through the hole in the, yeah, s- in the side which is nice because then the toothbrush faces down and you know like yeah. it can yeah. it can dry off that way but but one thing that i found really interesting and and uh it was uh explained to me that he did this sort of ridge system or this ridge pattern around the outside it was of the like cup. almost a texture it was yeah. like really fine ridges which made it not look like a 3d printed object yeah, it looked really nice. It looked really clean. Um, and I don't know, I wanted, I, I like, just, it would, it made you want to touch it. Yeah, it was really, uh, it was really elegant design. And it, and it felt like something that you could just take right off of the print bed and just start using it. You could probably sell them, just sell yeah. them straight up. Yeah. Um, so I, I, that was probably my favorite. The interesting thing about that is that I think, I'm trying to think about it right now. I don't think it'd be easy to manufacture that product. No. Because that hole in the center of the tube, kind of yeah. through the center of the cup, would be difficult to injection mold. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. You could slip, no. Could you slip cast it? No. Like, I mean, could you, 
this is you could make it could be like two parts like you had right. had the bottom snap on or something it's funny because like i you know i was posting some designs for for the collaboration with reed and my dad being a rotomolder <laughs> was talking about like oh we you we could mold that you the, know. X, the x the x one or the, uh the x I watering the, can? i think the flow form that oh, i the did flow form one um that one definitely is could be rotomolded but um but yeah i'm not I'm not sure how you would go about doing that because it does feel like something that if you just had um, an insert or something that went through the side to to mold that, but then that insert comes back out. You could definitely do that part. It's just how do you get the inside of the cup? we're we're talking about we're just like james and i are just like thinking about design right now like we're not even like yeah. we've lost our audience right or now. like blow molding i i don't know Ooh, I, could blow molding work because because that's where i'm thinking like if you have and then you just cut off the top like you you have an insert to create the to create the hole then that insert comes back out yeah but i don't know i i'm i'm not too familiar with blow molding so i'm i maybe we should stop speculating. <laughs> yes it was a great 3d printed we, we really enjoyed it uh good job kyle um yeah and that texture was cool i i don't know i really admire that what was your favorite my favorite so i really liked this dustpan this brush and dustpan that was designed by logan good and elisa burnt burris burris yeah um they this was cool so they made a brush and dustpan and you know how when you 3d print things there's like little fuzzy hairs yeah um, because you know the 3d printer extrudes hot plastic and essentially you know it's kind of like a hot glue gun right mm-hmm. like all these like fuzzy hairs come off of it and so they took advantage of that aspect yeah. like nor- in normal 3d printing it's just kind of like this side effect that happens and you have to trim them off um but logan and elisa took those hairs and like positioned them in a way to create a brush and then very cool. they used like you could actually like brush stuff with it it was like yeah. flexible enough like even though it's hard plastic they're so thin that they can like flex yeah and then the actual design was nice itself they the brush like fit into the dustpan and so you could like i yeah. don't know it just seemed really complete it seemed like there was even a cap that you could pull off to empty out the like what you had what, what you had brushed off i missed that part that was cool um huh. but uh yeah you know i i really love the design and i think they're both students at pratt okay and, it, and to me it was like this is a perfect like student project it was very speculative it right. was very invest like you know investigated the process right um yeah, I, I thought it was. I thought yeah, it was really nice. Definitely will be a good portfolio piece for sure. Yeah, and that that's that's kind of something that we want to talk about. There was a question about competitions. Yes. Um, from uh, from Jonathan asking about, you know, what if you don't place, like, or the project is stopped, or like, you know, is this a design? Is this a sign that the design is bad, or you shouldn't put it in your portfolio, or, you know, like, so. You know, what are your thoughts on that, Nick? Yeah, I thought that was an interesting question. I mean, you know, the idea that if you submit a project to a competition and it doesn't get selected, is it a good design? Like, that's an interesting idea. And I think we kind of touched on it with the judges. Like, the judges are just a handful of people. And yeah. that doesn't necessarily make a make or break a good design. Right. Um, I mean, you know, I think that, you know, competitions are just that like they're just a competition i think the real factor in design is the market right right you know the market gets to decide whether your product's good or not yeah 
Yeah, and I mean, I, I think that like, you know, you you put your project in your portfolio. You didn't necessarily place, but I feel like people have people have sort of like you know been won over by your design. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, be it on Instagram or or wherever else you've shown it. I I actually yeah it made a big hit on Behance. Oh yeah. I posted on Behance and it has probably two hundred appreciations. Yeah. In the past three days maybe. So. Which yeah. is more than my strap chair. I've had my strap chair on Behance for like the past like two months or something. Really? Yeah. Yeah, and I I mean like you know I I I don't know I feel like. You should always, if you're putting that much effort into a project and you really believe in the project, then like, you know, I feel like there are countless stories throughout product development history, throughout idea creation history of people, you know, running up against barriers, running up against walls yeah, and then finding success. Yeah. That's like the classic success story. You know, it's like yeah. they had this idea and people kept saying, no, no. Yeah. And then they finally got it. They finally got through. I think about like the pet rock. I feel like that idea was shot down so many you, times. You love to talk about the pet rock. Do you have a bunch of pet rocks? Uh, just a few. Have you been feeding them? Um, but, uh, you know, I just... Um... I mean, it's kind of, you know, I another thing, um, you know, I put my strap chair in uh, exhibition. Um, and, you know, the, I think the, kind of the great thing, we kind of mentioned it earlier, is like, you know, we did the MakerBot. We were selected to do the MakerBot right. challenge, and then uh, my chair was selected to be in this exhibition. Right. And there are both competitions beyond that. Yeah. So, like, just being selected is still an honor, I think. Right. Um, yeah, and I, I feel like so. You know, if uh, Jonathan is talking about like maybe a bigger competition where like, you know, like an IDEA or an right. IF, my feeling is like if you don't get selected for that. Um, but you believe in the project. I mean, there is there is a, a case to be made that maybe you should assess, like, you know, there's multiple layers with which to assess. Yes. Like, you could assess, like, did I not win because of the idea? Right. Did I not win because of the communication of the idea? Mm. Like, was the storytelling not right. good enough? You know, like, you can, you can sort of break it down, maybe ask people for yeah. their opinions, and then... Like, continue to work on it. If you really like the idea, continue to work on it. Um, yeah, I, th I think there's something to be said there. Like, definitely to to sit, like, if you don't make it, you need to sit back and kind of reevaluate, you know, your idea. And maybe it just was that coincidence, you know, like, yeah. hey, it just didn't work out with the judges. Um, yeah. I think there is also something to say, you know, if you submit it to, like, multiple competitions and, like, multiple things... And it gets shot down like multiple times. Yeah. Maybe there is a, a point where it's like maybe you're kind of in your head thinking right. that's a good idea, but it's right. really not. I don't right. know. Yeah. And, and and maybe there's a time to let things go yeah. and move on to the next project because, you know, this is a, this is a marathon. It's not a sprint. Right. You know, it's right. like, and there will be projects and take what you've learned and, and apply it to the next one and. Yeah, and and also just saying like, or just submitting stuff to competitions still is a great way to to get your work out there. I yeah. know, you know, I put my strap chair in this exhibition. It didn't win anything. It was great to have it there, and everyone could see it. Um, and I got like some emails and messages about it. I mean, some guy even was thinking about buying it. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, so I don't know. I, that probably won't ever happen. But <laughs> yeah, but I mean, yeah, you got exposure. You, yeah, you know, exposure. Mm-hmm. I and I was I was very. I would say I was maybe even more touched by because I was kind of off Instagram for a while and like working on this Muji project, the, right. the the pen hanger that I did for the MakerBot project. And when I posted it and it got really good feedback on Instagram, I was like, oh, like you know. People are responding to this. I actually had a guy from high school yeah. who I didn't talk to for like probably 10 years. And he hit me up. I didn't even know he was following me on Instagram. He hit me up and asked me if I could send him one. Oh, whoa, that's awesome. It's like, that's that's the moment where it's right. like, where it's cool. It's right. like, oh, this is communicating outside of the design world. And I, you know, I also got a like from a, a design hero of mine. Who? Who? Aura Ito. He's a French designer, okay, and just like he's a he's an an amazing French designer. Yeah, real like a. That's always know. fun. Always, it's always fun to get a little like or a little follow from one of your like aspiring yeah designers. That you... God, what a what an amazing time we live in that that you can reach these people. It's crazy. It's crazy. Um. Yeah, and, and that's a good another good aspect of like the competition thing is like one like facet of maybe maybe validating a great design right you know like there's so many other ways that your design can be validated to be a good design like instagram you know like just posting something on instagram and getting a lot of positive feedback and a lot of people engaging means something right yeah so i don't know that's a good question i think that that's a really great question and and i know i know that feeling of like oh god is this even good and you know, like, just get it out there, get a response, and then if it doesn't catch hold, then think about it. Just, just like, take some time to reflect right. and move forward. Right, right. Um, and we, oh, we had another question. Okay. Um, this question comes from Zane, and Zane says, I'm wondering if you guys might be interested in talking about the role that AI starting to play in design and where you might think it'll go specifically do you think designers could be replaced with robots it's a good question it is a good question um but i don't think you have anything to worry about <laughs> i no, n- i don't think so i mean i think that when we're talking about automated jobs i think ai is a much more relevant threat to that mm. Like definitely like factory working. Yeah. Um, but yeah. even then, I know that I just I just heard a, or I was just um, uh, I saw a story about the Tesla factory and yes. how they've actually they've brought in more laborers because the robot the robotic like assembly what? line cannot keep up. Oh, like, it can't keep up in terms of like tasks or yeah. the, or the actual like people are buying too many cars. I'm like, I'm is not, the task just too difficult? I think I think it's just it's too much and it's uh, exacerbating what the system can handle. It's interesting, huh. and and you know it's just like you know at this point robotics robots still have to be like told they can't like insinuate anything they can't yeah. like they can't just be told a direction and then be able to elaborate on it within themselves right like they have to be basically like micromanaged (laughs) (laughs) 
there's yeah there, there's a robot but it's always like there's also a guy above the robot still yeah do you think that's going to change though james with like machine learning and ai technology right. you know we are getting close to the cusp of artificial intelligence being smarter than human intelligence sure, sure. and when that happens what's what's next yeah i mean i i don't know i'm i'm nobody I'm no expert, you know, expert to, to be well, able to infer what this future could hold. We're barely experts, James. I yeah, I mean, you know, are we going to see robots versus humans, or are we going to see robot humans? Are we? I don't know. Are we going to see like robot warfare? <laughs> Sounds like some sort of video game. I mean, I I hope so over human warfare. Um, I hope it's robots killing robots. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this is like Star Wars. Yeah. Um. So that I, I like this question, and obviously I think it's a common thought among designers and people, um, especially in school, because you're thinking about what the future of your occupation that you're studying for, right? Right. Um, I think that, you know, artificial intelligence is getting smarter, right? And it's only going to get exponentially smarter as we as we grow, um, as we move through time, and. At some point, I think artificial intelligence will be able to design to some extent, right? Like, I think, like, we're already there a bit with, like, generative design um, and kind of, you know, optimizing the way that, you know, for example, um, there's designers that have, like, created programs so that they can build the most optimal chair mm -hmm. at the lightest weight. Yeah. And, like, the computer generates these, like, I don't know, organic structure that kind of wraps around the chair and like holds up the seat. Mm. And apparently it's like the strongest chair it could possibly be, be because, yeah. you know, the computer has generated 1 million and tested like 1 million options. And right. This is the strongest one. Right. And I think that, I mean, that's already here. Um, but the one thing that I'm not sure how artificial intelligence is going to handle is like our subconscious and our subtleties as designers. And our like playfulness and intuitiveness. Um, I don't know how that's going to incorporate into. Right. Well, how are how are robots going to get empathetic to the human condition? Oh, they're they're not going to be empathetic. They're yeah. just gonna they're just gonna take over the world. Yeah, because I because you know I just like you know I think about things like you know the competition that we were just in. Like, would a robot come up with? The, uh, the birdhouse flyer and the, the Muji pen hanger. No. Like, those are not optimal solutions. Right. But they speak to people maybe on an emotional definitely, level. Definitely, definitely. You know? And and I think that that, that that is essentially what would be lost. I mean, right now we're seeing we're seeing the, the whole, like, there's sort of a, a craft maker movement versus the, uh, you know, the industrial like you know mass-produced yeah i mean etsy is built on that right yeah. like people love etsy because of that reason right they're like oh hey i can have this you know handcrafted piece of art in my house instead yeah. of going to ikea or target and buying a painting or a, a clock or whatever you know right i don't know it's it's kind of like the old like uh john henry versus the machine <laughs> like you know wait you talking about like the train where they dig the tunnel through the mountain? Well, it's uh, it. I think it's just um, uh, building railroads. Yeah, or that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like they had the railroad machine, and then the what was his name, John Henry? Yeah, and, the, I, and he well, he dies. In, he dies in the end. 
But uh, such a sad story. Wait, can yeah. we tell a story? I don't. I feel like I feel like people need to know this story. John Henry. It's it's like an American tall tale, right? Of it's not uh, a real story. It's like a no kind of a. I mean, maybe it's like you know based on an event that right. occurred. But John Henry was like basically a railroad worker building building railroads, like basically like hammer to nail. Right. Um, he was the best at it. Yeah, he the was, best in the nation. Yes. Um, and then they came up came out with an automated like steam engine you know railroad building machine right um and so there was a competition between the two of them man versus machine and i think john henry might have won but he also died in the process yeah so So i don't know symbolically (laughs) what what that means yeah i'm not sure i feel like they they messed up their tall tale they should have had john henry just win that would have much more optimistic uh story but But i but i i do think that it speaks to this fear that we've constantly had of you know um just technology and and like it's kind of the first it's one of the first like technology versus human stories yeah. like mm-hmm. you know and and so it, it is this this lingering thing that we have in the back of our mind of, right are these things that we're creating eventually going to make us obsolete and i think you know this happens throughout history all the time you right know, you know plows and like agriculture and like every it the process of innovation and jobs going are are coming obsolete is a thing that's been happening for you know decades yeah. or centuries really um and when it happens to us if it does happen to us we'll figure it out like yeah. i i think that we'll become the designers of the programs like right. we'll be designing the robots to design for us right 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 yeah, um, and well, or will the robots be designing themselves eventually? But, but I think the, at that point we'll be dead. But the thing is, is you know, it, like going back to this sort of like constant fear, like when when innovations come about, people are always like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna lose jobs, or right. like this is gonna happen. We are very adaptive, and we're also like when we get freed up in terms of time it just we find something else yeah to occupy that time and did you know here's a fun fact for you did you know that people are working less than they ever have in the entire uh, history of the world um I, I i can't remember where i saw this but i know that you know they did a study of like people in you know the 1800s and the 1900s and the you know 2000s and they were just like studying how many hours people put in Mm. of work per day and apparently you know our 40 hour work week right now in america you know generally that's what everyone works um that is so much less than it was like back you know in the 1800s people working like 12 hour days you Mm. know um and people don't really think about that you know is that is that farming is that like what they were doing instead yeah i mean you know i think there were i think generally the consensus is that we have so much more leisure time nowadays and maybe that is a lot because of uh, innovation and things i certainly don't feel like i have well, more time <laughs> yes I, I so here's the funny thing is like everyone doesn't doesn't feel like that right? right everyone feels like oh i'm working so much harder i have no time um but the the study shows like hey people are working longer yeah but it's interesting like w- will we see people going from factories back to farming <laughs> like, because I don't necessarily see. I mean, I guess there is a level of automation in farming, 
but there's also a demand for organic and yeah. and mm-hmm. sort of like raising stock and raising you know raising cattle raising chickens in like an organic like grass fed way and right. it's like you're going to you're going to have a robot take care of that I, yeah i think there will be a backlash i think that's always going to be a niche thing i think the masses will always just you know submit to whatever the the easiest pathway is mm. um but yeah, I'm sure I'm sure there will be those niche markets. Oh, ro- robot free, yeah. robot free kale. <laughs> um, Do you want oil on your kale? <laughs> oh, like machine oil? Yeah, like they're getting their dirty, oily, robotic fingers on our kale. Dang it! Um, I I do want to touch on one more aspect of this conversation because this is another more relevant piece to this problem. Is that you know. I hear a lot of times people ask me like, oh, you know, UX, UI is becoming so popular. There's so many more jobs for UX, UI than there are traditional physical industrial design. Mm -hmm. You know, will industrial design eventually phase out and there will only be UX, UI design? Um, And, you know, my opinion is that there will always be physical products as long as we're physical beings. Right. What, Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I feel like some people get a little bit, uh, I don't know, maybe pessimistic that industrial design is going to die, like as a, as an occupation because UX, UI is taking over. Yeah. No, I don't see that ever happening. And in fact, I think as we push forward in technology, those, I feel like as, as soon as we break out of whatever, like the mold of sort of our, uh, rounded off rectangle, you know, smartphone era. <laughs> right. Like when we break out of that, when we I plug it like, into our brains. Yeah. Well, no, I'm even thinking about just like, you know, when the screen doesn't have to be a square, then industrial design will once again become more relevant because, like, we can essentially rewrite the interactions. Mm, that's like, kind of interesting. You know, it's like what? How? How do you work? If you don't have a computer anymore. Right. Because we were talking about this when we were talking about VR. Yeah. And it's like, why have a website when you could just go to a store in VR? Right. Or like have that store experience in VR? Because essentially a website is just a flattened store. We'll it's be, a flattened graphic store. We'll be designing industrial design products for the virtual world. Right. First for the Sims. <laughs> That's funny. Huh. Yeah interesting i don't know i yeah i just um everybody everybody always goes back to the physical like they love the tactile physical interaction yeah it's just like i mean we're physical beings like at the end of the day like we touch real things yeah like a baby being born like they have to have like skin to skin contact or else they'll die like this is literally like an inherent need that we have for physical interaction until we get until we become cyborgs and then eventually full robots and our just (laughs) our brains will just be uploaded into the hard drive (laughs) oh man all right yeah well, thanks for sending that in, Zane. I thought yeah. that was a good question. I feel like we could, that's like a whole nother topic yeah, we could dive into. It's fun to speculate about, but, you know, until we get there, it's like, we should all be driving flying cars by now, but, <laughs> but uh, you know. I just want Elon Musk to get, we're, yeah, instead get the, we're get the be Hyperloop. we're going to be driving underground. Yeah, it's, get that Hyperloop up and running, Elon. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's working on it. He's almost there. Yeah. Um, 
But uh, yeah, thank, thanks guys for sending questions. If you have a question, send it in to minordetailspodcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Um, every week we like to give a shout out to one Instagram uh, person that we think is doing cool work. Um, this week we wanted to give a shout out to Jung Soo Park. Mm-hmm. Um, I think his Instagram handle is Jung underscore SU underscore Park. And he does this pixelated art of industrial design. I think right. it's 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 intriguing because it's different than any other kind of um, interpretation. Right. Yeah, it's almost like he's um he's logging them for some sort of like eight bit database. Yeah, it's well, and he, it's like he posts inspirational design. He doesn't post it. Well, I think actually he does occasionally post his own work on his pixelated kind of Instagram, um, but usually it's like he posts you know work that he admires like the Eames chair you yeah know? and he'll make a little pixelated Eames chair and yeah. then and then you swipe through and you can actually see the real Eames chairs um but yeah i actually met him at the um skateboard design and he was actually in the makerbot competition yes he was um oh apologies i messed up his name uh it's jung underscore sue as it s-o-o not s-u oh so jung underscore s-o-o underscore park check them out yeah yeah it's uh it's interesting to see because like oh he's a frog designer as well yeah he is he is a frog designer it's interesting to see like especially with 8-bit art you know because it it is kind of it you know there's like a sort of retro game indie game sort of thing going on and to see like what you how you can distill a design down to an 8-bit sort of like mode to see like is it still identifiable yeah and i'm sure that that's always cool i'm sure that that's like something that he has to wrestle with when uh-huh. he's creating these is like how many pixels do i need right to to make this identifiable hmm. maybe we should have him on the pod i think we've got a long list <laughs> we got a long list we haven't even yeah. podcasts <laughs> we we needed to start diving into that definitely yes um but uh, check them out. We'll, yeah. we'll link to them, and we'll try to like post a bunch of like. There were so many things we talked about this episode. Just, yeah, we need to post a lot of those pictures. Yeah, and we'll we'll be back on a more regular schedule coming up this week. Yeah. Um. But yeah, check us out minordetailspodcast.com. Also check us out on Apple iTunes. Yes. Give us a rating if you subscribe. If you feel so inclined. Yeah. Um. Leave us a cute little note. I think we're also on Google Play. Yes. Still not on Spotify. Spotify uh, just Spotify rejected our, pretty our much. love letter. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but you know, there's plenty of ways you can listen. Jerks. <laughs> what about SoundCloud? We should put it on SoundCloud. Oh, SoundCloud. It... SoundCloud has a, a premium. You got to pay for that. Really? Yeah. What? Yeah. You can only upload like five hours or something free, and then when, uh, yeah, don't worry. I, re- not... I researched it, James. I researched it, James. Oh, <laughs> okay. All right. Um. But yeah, thanks thanks for tuning in, guys. Uh, of course, you can check us out on Instagram if you haven't already. I'm at Nick P. Baker. And I am at I Draw on Receipts. And uh, yeah, I guess we'll, we'll see you next week. See you then.